You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel. That Chris was going to do that at the beginning. We did not. Yeah. Doom. I didn't feel like I needed to tell you guys. Should have. Should I have discussed that first? No, no, no. It's good, man. No. All right. I mean, so if you listen it. to our part one episode, we talk about uh, John Carpenter, how he got started. We talk about his films Halloween, The Fog, and The Thing, which are definitely the three most talked about of his horror movies. That was his upswing. His career. Yeah. That was definitely his, like, hey, I'm here. I mean, Fuck you. There's no downswing. Yeah. Summer's Brothers. All right. Um, Wait until we get to Body Bag. But now we kind of talk about what happens when things start to go maybe a little sideways in his career. And not to say there aren't some great movies that that are going on here after this point, but, like... This is definitely the beginning of Carpenter starting to get, I think, disenchanted with the Hollywood system. Yeah. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, Oh, oh, I think it's after Christine, personally. Well, all right. What's well, Christine, next? speaking of Christine, that Christine's was that's that's the next movie. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about Christine. Movie, it. Uh, 1983. This was actually, I think, the first horror film that he took on as a contract job. This is not his a passion project for him. Like, he just did this straight up because he needed the work. Because the thing had bombed so badly. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, that yeah. he was like, he couldn't get a job. So they offered him, well, he was working on Firestarter. Yeah. And Which then his version obviously and, never And came. I would like yeah. to say, I would have loved to have seen a John Carpenter Firestarter. I think I he would have made a better car- Firestarter. Oh, oh, he would have oh, made a Many oh. people would have made a better save, Firestarter. Save it Carpenter's for would have been Stephen actually King cool. episode because I love the Firestarter. Right? Oh, the song? I yeah, Prodigy's the shit. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Firestarter. I'm you the Firestarter. I enjoy Firestarter for what it is. Stephen King movie. But I would like so. to see. Would you rather see the one you have, or would you rather see the Carpenter one in your mind? Well, considering I'm not the Summers Brothers, I would uh, say I would keep the one I have. <laughs> I mean, it's a Stephen King adaptation yeah. when he was so big that they were working on the film before the before book they was even, even the book, finished. Yeah, it was even finished. It was like Carpenter was taking it to make money because he needed it after the thing was, un- once again, still shockingly a failure. Um, but, you know, it's gone up against Blade Runner and E.T. What are you going to do? Blade Runner I think that my fun fact... Blade Runner was um, not a big hit either. Both those films weren't until much later. E.T. dominated the theater for like something like two months. Yeah, All the right. thing had been made... A- okay, we're, we're done with so the So, Christine. Christine, yeah. uh, fun fact, um, this is my favorite part, is Brooke 
Shields and Scott Bale were supposed to be the leads. They were? In uh, Christine, which I think yeah. it would have been a much worse movie. Yeah, worse movie. Uh, so, so wait a second, real quick. You guys did not like Christine. I did not I, really I, like what? Christine. Well, I like Christine. See, I actually I like liked Christine. Oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I too. I think it's mediocre. I, don't, I, I think you're it. mediocre. I am <laughs> mediocre. That's true. I'm so, not arguing. Quick, we gonna do a quick synopsis on this one. Yeah, yeah. Have at me, right. you, I, you, I, me, you, me. Use you. your turn. I'll do it. Step up. It's about a uh, geeky high school guy who takes shop class and disappoints <laughs> his parents. And one day, after getting beat up by some bullies on his way home with his best friend, who happens to be a jock, he sees a red Plymouth Plymouth uh, Fury yeah. for sale. Yep. And he goes, you know what? Uh, I need to buy this car. And his buddy's like, why? It's a piece of shit. And he goes, well, I can fix it. I'm in shop class. He uh, goes and fixes it up and finds out the car's got a mind of its own and is possessed pretty much and evil. And it starts uh, changing him, which has a, has a great character arc. The guy starts off like a complete dork. And by the end, he thinks he's James Dean and loses his friends and a lot of bad things happen. And, it, I mean, in classic Stephen King nature... It handles childhood really well and bullies really well and uh, trying to conform really well and what we hold precious really well. And uh, to me, I actually really liked this movie. Yeah. And I thought it was shot well. I thought the intro was fantastic. We have this assembly line in Detroit. And it's just like bland car after bland car. And then you see Christine roll up and she's just a bad bitch. You see her roll up and she's red and everyone's looking at her. A guy opens the hood and instantly just slams on his hand like a bit him. And it's fantastic. I mean... I liked which, it. Uh, Changing the origin story from the book. Yeah, which I was just going to say that's not in the book. The, car, the book, the car wasn't evil until the previous owner, who is only referenced in this. Oh, uh, yeah. And some of the best who stuff. Who is a, in a the really movie. terrible person. But yeah. um, what I like, though, is the old man who sells it to him. He's like practically half a machine. He's got like a back brace on this metal hole. There's He's a lot great. of thought in this. He looked like Blue from uh, Old School. <laughs> I you remember that? Like he looked just like, like Blue from Old School. <laughs> I would have just summarized this say. Nerd can't let, get laid, so Satan gives him a car to fucking set, Stead, which ends up fucking all his friends. Yeah, you, I don't want to see that movie. I mean, yeah. That doesn't sound like a great movie. One of the, my favorite things about Christine, and, and I, I'm a fan of this movie, yeah. is is I think John Carpenter perfectly captures Stephen King's essence yes. in that transformation totally that from like this total loser, like nerd, gets bullied kid into someone who becomes the bully. And it's definitely a Stephen King theme. Like, no, that, but a movie yeah. Very like much that. a Stephen King atmosphere, the small town. Because Russ was like... Dude pulls a switchblade. <laughs> yeah. I Russ mean, was like, is this supposed to be the fucking 50s? Like when it started? No, it's like, it kind of is. It's like that small It is. It's town. supposed to be like, it was take place in like the, the early is, 70s. In fact, Russ always pointed this interesting out. about the movie that in realized was the movie was released in 1983, uh-huh. but the film takes place in 1978. Yeah. And they, they make sort of a point of that. Uh, there's a the Rolling Stones song, Beast of Burden, which is from an album from 1978, plays in the bully's That's car. Right. Um, and then the, the years, they specifically mention what year they're in. The costumes. Right. So and it how, is, long, how long ago the car was made. Right. It was 20 years from the It was the like day. a 55 or it's a 78. It's a 78 and a 58. And so it, they make a point of that. And I do think it makes a difference. The fashions, like all that kinds of stuff to it. And there, I don't know that there's a strong need to do it. Like if you'd said in 83, I don't know if the movie would have been better or worse. But it is a choice. Well, I mean, it was Stephen King, so, I mean, you couldn't go wrong making oh, a Stephen I, King movie. I mean, they made Well, Pujo. many people do. Yeah, they yeah, Pujo, yeah, for sure. You know, and, I mean, like, how do you make a, an hour, a 90-minute movie about but, a rabbit well, dog? Well, let's be honest, so. though. As a director and just as a film fan, the fact that he pulls off 
the premise of a car, a satanic car that kills a bunch of people and sort of possesses this one character's life at all. You like makes pulls that pulls off, I go, eh, maybe not really. I think he pulled it off. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, and I you agree. have to remember, he's checked out right now. Like, And it's beautifully shot. I don't, I don't, it's beautifully, beautifully shot. Russ and I, that's all Russ and I talked about was like, I want to go back and just look at this movie and the way he shot it. And and my problem might be I've never seen this until like um, uh, two weeks ago. I've never seen it. And this the reverse movie. photography of the car coming so, back together. Oh my god, so really it's like, astounding. Which they yeah. did by creating a plastic molds from a car and yeah. then hydraulics, running it with right? hydraulics to like suck it in. Yep. And instead they ran the film in reverse. It's yeah. an amazing, cool. and there's, amazing effect. And there's and, some great lines. They're like the okay, show me what you can do type thing. And the yeah. car just starts saying, oh, we're in this together. And, and a beautiful shot right after yeah. that. Line, oh, yeah. Yeah. When the lights turn on and it's his back and, and that wide shot. Yeah. And oh, I mean, later in the film, and Christine shows up, pulls back into the garage, and she's smoking as the guy the walks car it. on fire, chasing down oh the dude with the switchblade down the highway. Stunning imagery. That was a, that yeah. was a beautiful. I mean, I guess, it is pure uh, filmmaking. Yeah, life. And, and here's what I want to say: there is a terrible '80s version of this movie, like Firestarter or Silver Bullet, <laughs> that. I know. <laughs> and, I like, and I like Silver Come Bullet, on. but it's I not, Silver not really going to defend Silver oh, Bullet. No, when I saw Silver Bullet, I was nine years old, and it was the shit. I, I haven't seen it since. But, but the point, but the point that I'm saying is, there's a bad version of this movie that Carpenter did not make. Yeah. yeah, Carpenter made a really great version of this movie. He really, but he you really know, understood how to sell the concept, which is in itself. Pretty hokey. Which at the same time, though, is why he made They Live. Think about like the premise where it's like about somebody who needs something to feel special. And you tap into that, and that's kind of, you know, like, like the They Live, about the marketing and about, you know, the things you need own you type thing. And um, this is the exact same thing. It's about a guy who needed the car more than any anything that makes to sense. feel it's special. Weird and he tapped into that. It's like we're talking childhood. about like he checked out, but I think of this he very much. He hasn't checked out yet. Right. And I think that this is a film that is very much a Carpenter film. And he even, if he even says like it's – he put – there's a lot of his themes, his, his cinematography, his direction. And honestly, watching it, I was sort of blown away by um, – the John Stockwell, Keith Gordon, their characters' they were relationship. They're great actors, too. A, yeah, they're, ter- they're, they're great dude, actors. Well, not only that, but Harry Dean stands in this and it yeah. has a couple terrific scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and the owner of, I cannot remember the actor's name, but the owner of the junkyard. Or was it has a, Darnell's? Uh, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, Darnell's. He's, he's terrific and he has a couple great scenes where he tries to connect with Keith Gordon's yeah. character. I think and, I know what scene you're and talking Arnie's about. And he's like, well, I'll think about it. And That's he's the like, best scene. You'll fucking think right, about but it. You know what? But honestly, it does show. You could cut that out of the movie. That doesn't need to be in the movie. As a director, I think, like, is this... Oh, that's a short film on its own, though. Right, like, you're like, I could cut... This doesn't need Mm. to be in the movie. And Carpenter leaves things like that in the movie. It shows what kind of storyteller he is. It's important to him. And I think, like, that's one of the things the movie really succeeds on is... Keith Gordon and John Stockwell's character in an average film like some other 80s movie like Can't Buy Me Love, they're adversaries. You know, he's the jock, he's the nerd, you know, we're going to make that the conflict. Don't you talk shit about Can't Buy Me Love. Well, I mean, I love that movie. But, but <laughs> you're just saying it goes against formula. It though. does. I mean, it does, and, and it but not in, But in a more nuanced, but interesting, subtle way. I mean, that's also Stephen way. King, not John Carpenter, though. 100%. Yeah, but this is his movie, and a lot of other people would have played it a lot more on the nose, and I feel like he brings... He lets them act against each other in a really great way. That's true. And also, I have to say, John Carpenter obviously has a type. Alexandra Paul is in this movie. She looks great. Um, she's gorgeous. She's a pretty good actress. She's uh, really pretty. Goes on to do uh, Baywatch Nights. 
How yes. much? And I literally had to so close my chaos. eyes and I asked Russ, I said, wait, wait, I'm thinking of something. Who is this? Who is this? She sounds exactly like Kim Cattrall in Big Trouble in Little China. Huh? Like they, and so he obviously has a type. They're very similar. Their hairstyles, their look. Anyways, cool. You know what's interesting too, though, is he shoots the car like he would shoot a Western hero or a Western villain too. It gets a lot of It's always like the, and then like uh, the camera slow dollies in on oh, the stillness and all. I mean, the it's cinematography very in this movie is some of his best. I agree. And, and the grain in it. I actually like the film grain in it. Pretty much the quality beautiful. of this film other than uh, Alexander Paul, who you can't not have a Oh, Kelly Preston. This. Kelly Preston as well. Young Kelly Preston. It's the way that like uh, Keith Gordon's character, Arnie, who is um, at the beginning like nah, nah, nerd, and by the end he's got he's James so Dean. Cool. He's, he's so guys, cool with his leather jacket. Yeah, he's like the car is wearing bringing, all black. The car is turning yeah. him into a fifties greaser. Yeah, no, as it goes along, yeah. and you're like, wow. By the end, you're like, yeah, I get mad. He's like, what's the matter? You want a drink? Well, I thought you were cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were cool. Like the you know? climax of this film is, I, I thought, pretty stunning visually, and uh, Keith Gordon's ultimate fate. And the way Carpenter stages it, I thought was really exciting. And actually, Russ and I were like, whoa! And in that climax, you know, the famous bulldozer scene, funny yeah. bit of trivia, Which... Alexander Paul has a, tw- a identical twin sister, who she, as a practical joke, had come on in the set pretending to be her during that sequence. So the actress you see standing on the bulldozer is actually her twin sister. That's cool. And they did a thing, they did it to fuck with Carpenter, who when he found out, he was like, you guys totally invasion of the body snatcher me <laughs> for a second. That's I was freaking out. Don't, don't and I also shit. feel like don't the, 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 the last <laughs> act of um, Christine is kind of like, we see that again in, in body bags. Uh, and, uh, yeah. You know? And you, you know what? I mean, this is one of those films I wouldn't hate to see remade. I really wouldn't hate Ooh, to see this remade. I, I think there's a. I think you could do a really interesting. You know what I mean? Could, because you know he, what, took, he took what was a, a mediocre but, Stephen King book and made it into a pretty right, good movie. But, I, but that's why I think the remake doesn't work is because what's special about this movie is what Carpenter brings. I to think it. you got to take what Carpenter did and and, and just. Make it a little bit better. Well, that is, I, that is generous. That I definitely agree with Phil that he took a mediocre Stephen King book and, and made, made it into a better not movie. one of his best books. Yeah, yeah no, Christine's not. Um, uh, Keith Gordon, who uh, played the lead actor here, Arnie, he is kind of, a uh, great director. He kind of went on from from that well, to become a director. Really interesting, exciting director. Super active in television right now. Which but he like did some really television. interesting movies in the 90s, like he, Mother Night. He did. And uh, Once Upon a Midnight Clear. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, but uh, right now he's directing episodes of Leftovers, The Killing. Fargo, The Strain, Dexter. He's a big TV actor of really interesting TV shows. Like, yeah, oh, wow, he's directing okay. the crap out of TV. And, uh, no, but, and then we have Smart Man. Uh, What's-Her-Face, who <laughs> was in Baywatch. Yes. <laughs> that's, um, there that's... were somewhere between, depending on what you read, but either 17 or 28 versions read, of the car. I read 24. It depends on what um, you... I read so many different... It makes you wreck the fuck use, out of that yeah, car. It makes you want to get one. There's only yeah. two left. Um, they yeah. use parts from the Belvedere and the Savoy as well. Um, the I have there's to only say, two left and they just sold one a few years ago for $130,000. Yeah. Only two left from the actual movie but you can yeah. find an actual Fury or whatever somewhere. You can get somewhere. the 58 Fury. It makes you want to get one I think they have resto kits. Also, this is back in the day before The Ring where they were like if a horror movie's not rated R nobody's going to go see it. So when they got their finished cut they got rated pg and they were like fuck that's not gonna work and so they intentionally put fuck in it the word fuck into it several times just to give themselves a rating. which is that's one of the things i love about (laughs) carpenter is because i need more r-rated horror films in my life and carpenter always made r-rated horror films and he would go back and reshoot them to make sure that they were r-rated you you, you want to hear a really funny quick side note story on my film dead awake Mm -hmm. i had a producer who literally would limit me in the amount of you, you can only have one fuck 
before it becomes rated R. He goes, choose that fuck wisely. And then wind up getting rated R anyway because of drug use. Uh, <laughs> so I'm uh, sitting there and I had like so many I fucks. I had all these fucks. I had so many fucks I wanted to use. How many fucks did you have given? And I, I mean, a lot of, and I, I got one fuck. Bill could have given all the fucks. I definitely had five fucks. I gave five fucks and I got one. Sorry, You can use them all tonight. Talk about the fucking movies on your way to the park and all. What do we got next? Moving on. Prince of Darkness, which is my favorite. It says hands down my favorite. Wait, this I thought you said this was your least but favorite. But I, I just, no, I don't. Change no, your mind. I you changed my mind. America. Like weeks ago, you told me you don't yeah, like Prince of Darkness. Yeah, but I thought about it. Okay. Yeah, you uh-huh. did. You, you thought a, long wait, and hard about the, it. The lowest to the best? Well, no, I went from the my favorite to not my favorite to my favorite again. I, Prince of Darkness is one of my favorites. All right. And this is the second of the Apocalypse trilogy. All three of which are among my favorites of his things. And this was not one of his better received films when it came out. And even today, <laughs> it's considered to be controversial among Carpenter fans of whether this is one of his best or one of his worst. No, I've talked silly. to plenty of people who can't stand people, yeah, this yeah. movie. Those people are not Carpenter fans. I, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think... Th- the problem with people for this film seems to be just how entirely abstract this is. I mean, even for Carpenter's not a terribly abstract filmmaker, and this is a really abstract Carpenter film wow. in terms of yeah. what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Like by the end, you have to sit and think about it to, to get to really decide it's for yourself what happened. Oh, but he's exactly. really intelligent yeah. in this too, like Amen. challenging yeah. all kinds of ideas of like you know. All right, I'll, I'll take talk. this one quickly as a plot uh, summary. Oh, he's doing it. Okay, okay. No, you're gonna jump on it. No, no, you do it, please. please. Summer, uh, summer. This is the hardest one to do the plot summary. Really? Yeah, no way. So basically, um, the premise of this film is that there is a uh, small group of uh, I think they're masters or PhD graduate candidates, students, yeah. graduate students, who are called to a church in um, downtown LA. Where um, a strange, otherworldly entity is contained to study it scientifically and determine what it is. And they slowly begin to realize that it may be the devil itself and it has been contained um, by the church uh, secretly for um, hundreds of years. Yeah. And then uh, they all start to a- have the same dream. The homeless start to circle outside the prison. Alice the, Cooper. Uh, Alice Cooper, yeah, bitch. Yeah, you don't you not want Alice Cooper circling outside where you're doing your PhD candidacy. Um, so <laughs> shit, goes, <laughs> shit goes down. So uh, I love the fact, this is one of my favorite things is like, okay, so the Vatican has had this container for thousands. That's like, locked from the inside, which makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Why uh, you would lock it, it from I the inside. Point, they, they mentioned just, that they've had it for 5,000 years or something like uh-huh. that. And all it took was five graduate students and a very, like, ancient computer to solve the problem. We've been sitting on this pilot yeah. script for you can't do that on television for a thousand years but now it has but become now, released. You know, all we needed was these five I graduates. I never questioned this and, uh, Five incompetent graduate students because my favorite part is this, they're all they're studying sleeping quant- in their horny, they're right? all They're all studying like physics, quantum theory and one of them has to explain to the other one what Schrodinger's cat was and I'm just like, really? How does that So it's the days before the internet uh, you know, your average person didn't know about Schrodinger's cat. You're studying physics and don't know what Schrodinger's cat is? Come on. So hard. Oh, so hard on so, it. Obviously, on. the movie's not working for Patreon. And I'm a fan of this I movie, feel like though. I feel like she's like, oh, no, I'm a fan, but I'm going to trick you guys by saying <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm like, I thought she <laughs> likes this movie. I do. <laughs> I do like this good. movie, but I thought that was pretty pretty hysterical. And I love Alice Cooper. I mean, this is Donald Pleasance <laughs> returning again as Father Loomis. 
Yeah. Mind you. Hey. Uh, I, I yeah. don't understand that. Check yourself. He was check a good, yourself, I, Cox. He's a good actor. I didn't like his character, though. And Parker also Stevenson. Also, check yourself, Goose. Uh, he's a good actor. I didn't like his character. The Parker Stevenson of Simon and Simon showing up with the best staff Right? In the Thank you yeah. so much. I think this was the only movie he did other than, like, his Simon and Simon. Yeah. It's and exactly. again, totally hooking up. Yeah. Making, making it happen. Making yeah. it happen with hot ladies and his graduate I feel like this is John Parker bringing back the family. Dennis Dunn from Big Trouble in Little China. He's calling on his uh, repertoire of actors to be in this movie, Dennis Don, and don't uh, forget Victor Wong. Victor, Victor Wong, say, Victor Wong is, a, is one of the major reasons I like with his this amazing movie. speech about quantum physics. <laughs> and John Carpenter actually wrote this screenplay under a pseudonym. Correct? That's right. Yeah, That's Martin sure. Quatermass. Yeah, of course, so, a tribute so to the British Quatermass. Side note: If you have not the seen the Quatermass films. Yeah. You've seen him. Chris yeah. has seen him. So, I've, seen, I've seen the original movie and the pilot of the TV series. Have you seen Quartermass in the Pit? Uh, yes, I've seen okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, side note. And obviously, Quartermass being an inspiration for the Loomis character or the, uh, or the you know, in um, the Halloween uh, films or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, he's obviously like Bernard like, Quatermass. Yeah, the the character who investigates all the uh, supernatural phenomenon in those films. I forget that writer who wrote that character, Nigel. Neil, I forget what it was. He actually turned in a script to one of the earlier uh, right. Carpenter films it's for uh, it's Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch, and then they didn't use it, and he was still going to get credit. He was like, "I hate the script they came up with, so take my name off." Yeah, yeah. You know, so so real quick, do you like this movie? I, I like this I like movie this with a caveat, only because I love the ending. Like meaning, like I thought it was. One of my thing, favorite, but not as good. One of my favorite. Where it's like ends. people are just kind of getting spit on and become the devil, and they get spit on and become the devil, and they get spit on and become the devil, and then. But the ending is so good. I love what. I, are we allowed to give like spoilers? This thing's like I thirty mean, years fucking old. Thirty yeah. years old. I think when she reaches her hand inside the mirror and starts pulling out, like holy shit, this devil thing. Yeah. That and then the girl. Like dives her into the mirror and like saves humanity. I mean, I guess that's it, a pretty bold. It was the first thing. film I had ever seen that tried to combine, like that tried to look at like what if all that stuff from like the Bible and like even like darker, you know, the idea of like oh, there's darker interpretations like Satan is real. What if all that actually exists, but not they're not religious figures. We could scientifically understand what they are, but they are like evil is equivalent to antimatter as good as equivalent to matter. I mean, they literally refer. It's like he got high and heard of the Antichrist and tried to think of the antimatter. It's the anti god, and that what they called it. Yeah, it's like is what this stuff is. The devil. It's, yeah, it's like not like the good. idea of being like, like this is the, this is the best simple man could understand it was to put it in terms of good and evil, but it's a billion times more complex than that. And even which itself treads on sort of Lovecraftian ideas. Yeah. I feel like you I know. Don't... I mean, it was really. It felt like you're never. The movie itself is like you're never really going to understand this. And that's how it's supposed to be, you know? I don't know if it was because I was a certain age that I was at the time when I saw this film, which I'm not going to reveal to our audience, but <laughs> this movie, The Seventh Sign and Serpent in the oh, Rainbow yeah. were probably oh, three um, of the most influential the movies. Lee Phillips? Huh? Uh, Diamond Phillips? No, that was Demi no. Moore. You're Demi thinking Moore. of the, uh, the, thinking the of Seventh uh, Power or whatever. Seventh yeah. Power, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Seventh oh. Sign with Demi Moore and then uh, <laughs> Serpent and Rainbow were probably the three most influential reasons why I have an undergrad degree in religious studies. Whoa. Oh, wow. I, um, Prince of Darkness was... 
that good. So you me. would have been one of the people they chose to go, uh-huh. to oh, go and yeah. study this. You'd be like, what show so, Yeah. I have to say, like, I had, the I had sort from of peanuts. <laughs> so we had a, we had somehow terrible. missed this movie in Carpenter's uh, filmography, and our friend was like, "Oh, you got to watch it." And I remember, wait, till how long? Uh, there wasn't. Th- I mean, probably in our like you know years ago, whatever. But we had not seen it, and our friend was like, oh, "He had it on VHS." He's like, "Oh, you got to watch it." Or and I remember we watched it kind of in the middle of the night. We were kind of sleepy, Russ and I, and our buddy fell asleep, and it was just us. And I remember genuinely being flipped out by this movie and seeing it at the draft house again in thirty five millimeter. They they struck a new oh, print, I bet you. and I dragged my. Uh, Poor girlfriend at the time <laughs> to see it, and and um, it was if you engage with this movie on its level, and I think like probably if you're just gonna be like the wisecracking guy, bunch of eighty stuff, why is this guy wearing his stash? Whatever, you're not gonna totally get the movie, but if you engage this film on its level and you really like pay attention to it, and and you will get sucked in, and it is creepy and unnerving, apocalyptic, um, genuinely scary in a way that I don't think most movies affect me. And I feel that way when I watch this movie. Like, I put down the phone. I don't look at my watch. Like, I I, I get sucked into this movie. Because it's, unlike most horror movies, it's end-of-the-world shit. Where, like, and I feel like that about it feels so out of your control. It feels like this is one thing happening during this end-of-the-world scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe it's key to Mm -hmm. all that. But, like, there's probably another... 18 horror movies going on like in other scenes at I mean, the same and time. And this yeah. is also a part of connected the Apocalypse trilogy. Part of the Apocalypse right, trilogy. Which I, aren't connected in the same plot. Yeah. And, and I have to say, and I think this is something we haven't brought up much with Carpenter, is he is a writer. Yeah. So not only is he this amazing director and visualist, and he's composing his own fucking score, he writes these movies, and this is a purely original screenplay, which I, I don't think you can say about a lot of directors. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a purely original idea, and he has really amazing... Uh, special ideas about like quantum physics and and evil and science, and I think all those things combine together to really make the movie unnerving. See, see, yes, that's where I, I'll disagree just a hair. Fine, yeah, just because he was so influenced by things like the Rio Bravos and whatnot, that to me this was like the thing not two point but the thing negative two point like meaning it was a lesser thing. And um, it, it, it's the same exact premise. But I love that about instead it. of snow outside, it's homeless people that you could definitely outrun if you were a college but student. That, but that's but, the, <laughs> but that's the weakest point of this film. Is it's that what? is that aspect the homeless people outside? Right, oh, I but love that part. Alice Cooper feels like stunt casting for, for sure. Totally. Sure. 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 I'm sorry. Like every time he's on screen, I'm like, oh, that's no, Alice Cooper. It pulls you right out of the movie. And yeah. I mean, even the yeah, one first cut, even the one big horror effect where he kills someone is literally a prop from, a prop from his stage show yeah, that yeah. he famously was doing on stage at that yes. time. Yes, like, but the first cut to the homeless prop. woman. And she has ants crawling on her face. No, that was cool. It's genuinely creepy. But right. as that and the guy who's, goes and the guy who's standing outside is like, "I've got a message for you, and you're not going to like it." Yeah, amazing. No, like, I mean, no, it, 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 it works. That's what I was going to say about the movie. Does not work in the void. But but but, but, he, <laughs> sure. but here's where I'm going with that: is even with the outside presence keeping you in the building thing, it is literally we're inside one building. And somebody's a devil's servant going around spitting on people and turning them into the devil's. <laughs> it's 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 the thing. My, I mean, it just it's it's That's the same premise. Point. And you just take out like what to me is a ten Instead out of ten of it's genius. Calls, it's a bunch of almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you take a ten out of ten the thing, and then you get this, and to me it's a six out of ten. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the film is very apocalyptic, and and the anxiety associated with that is so strong 
I don't know that I can dismiss the movie in that way. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. And I think they're all having that same dream, and it's a stunning, which made I, no sense to me. No, point, I though. love that. That's the idea. The, point of the, the whole idea film. because we have no idea how to communicate you to you. Are yeah. To the entity that's caged, and they're all having. You're all having this video dream. That's what I love. That that's what I love so much about this movie. That See? is the highest point of quality of this. Is that idea that they're all having this dream, and at first you're like, you think it's going to be more kind of a run of the mill plot element, and it's goes along you're like wow this is actually them sending <laughs> them transmission from a the transmission future. from the future as a warning that is not really from the it's and not, then at not the end it twists to explain what you've been seeing the whole movie yeah 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 i think but i love that you know what oh, blew my mind about that that was like go how does a transmission from the future look worse than the movie we're seeing today? Which, by the way, they like, did. How does the quality... Wait a second. Hey, lower resolution so transmits better through time. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me as a person who has to work with with 4K and 1080p it's, it's and 720p. We're going to send it in 4 The lower resolution is going to blast through the airways easier. Hey, did they do you know this? Cronenberg where they actually filmed it in like VHS? Well, they, they so. filmed it in VHS and then they filmed Then they filmed it that. They projected yeah, yeah. VHS. And by the way, Yes. Some, if you look on our Instagram, we have a picture of us at that church in LA. Like yes. that was like fantastic. Cool. If you go to LA, you should totally. By the way, go. that church is totally tiny, and it undermines the whole movie. Speaking you know, of like, churches, so yeah. Speaking of churches, <laughs> let's go into part two. Do you three like my segue of right. the Apocalypse trilogy, and, and which I have not seen since it originally came out. And I remember seeing it and going in the mouth of madness, going, "Yeah, it was all right." And then I rewatched it for the first time ever just a few weeks ago for this podcast and went, wow, this is now officially one of my favorite John Carpenter films. I mean, proving again how Chris is wrong about most things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hey, and, but honestly. I, I, do you need some aloe vera? Like, yeah. Seriously. I would if I took his opinion more serious. Oh. oh. We need to call an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. I, I deeply love this movie now. I really do. And Hard partially not to. because I think this is the greatest Lovecraft movie ever made that I would just agree that. happens to not actually be about a Lovecraft movie. I agree. Story. It's a good Lovecraft movie, but not necessarily the greatest Carpenter. Oh, no, I knew there was a but in there. <laughs> no, 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 but it's not the greatest Sorry. Carpenter. It's one of my favorites, but it's not one. It's not. Unquestionably not. Well, I, mean, I like. I, I would like, say it's not my favorite Carpenter just because there's so many good Carpenter. Yeah, movies. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I, I it, like thirty percent of it. It appeals to so wow. many of like the things that are like in the this appeals great. to my interests type of stuff in it. And there's so many neat little. That's the stuff I love in horror movies that it does that kind of did before anybody else. Oh my did. gosh! So my favorite, very, very, very favorite part of this movie is when she like straight up swallows the car keys and he just like punches her in the face. Which, by the way, were made of pasta. All right, really? all right, all right. Yeah. Somebody was, synopsize. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, synopsize. That's Chris's turn. Who's Chris, on this it's one? Chris's turn. It's Chris. You love it so much, Chris. I do, I do. Um, I mean, basically, you got Sam Neill as your main character, who is a insurance agent who, who's one of those like very celebrated in his company because he's very good at his job, who is brought in to investigate the dis uh, disappearance of a sort of Stephen King level writer named Sutter Kane. I want. I want a coffee mug too. Uh, <laughs> you saw the coffee mugs. Yeah, I want a coffee mug. Yeah, says, do do yeah. you read Sutter Kane? Yeah, I want that. Yeah, exactly. Do you read Sutter Kane? Yeah, do you read Sutter Kane? Um, and when the, the show starts, we see him, where he, when this movie starts, we see that he's in an asylum. And we're like, well, how did he get there? So flashback, he is 
like a normal guy investigating this. He gets sent by the book company. He's like, we can't find him. We don't know where he is. We just know that some weird shit's going on with his latest book, but we need you to find him. Uh, he pieces together, admittedly, the weakest part of this film, because I still don't know how he came up with this. Like, from all the covers of the books, a map to where he is. No, but it's very clear on the cover. If you see the cover, there's there's red red outlines on all the covers. It was not clear. Which forms the... If you had all the books in front of you. But thank goodness they didn't hire Chris to find him. (laughs) But they send him out there uh, with a lady who works for the company to go, okay, you guys go find him together. And they... And right from there is where the movie really takes off for me, where he clearly kind of goes through some sort of weird space-time hole on the way that she's more aware of than he is. And they end up in the tiny little town, which isn't even on the map of, what is it, Hobbs something. Hobbs End. Hobbs End. Hobbs End. And only to find that everybody there is thoroughly weird and even more disturbing. Every single thing in this town is just literally word for word right From out of a of Sutter Kane book. And as it goes along, he starts finding that maybe um, Sutter Kane isn't a fiction writer <laughs> at all. It's more, it, it's obviously, I, you know, for those who haven't seen I know it came out a while ago. I don't want to get too much into spoilers because if you haven't seen this one, a lot of people haven't. Part of the fun of this one really is the <laughs> discovery of realizing what's really going on in this thing, which even at the end is not completely clear, but... Again, a film that's very comfortable with ambiguity. It's it's his most comfortable. With I feel like this film. is also the his least John Carpenter film. I mean, because hmm. John Carpenter has like this when he makes his films, he has a very minimalistic sort of outlook. He like we've talked about before, you know, especially with Halloween, he just he simple story, simple, you know. And this one was very convoluted, and I, th- I thought this was the least John Carpenter of did all like of his it? films. I did actually like it. Um, not the first time, but the second time I watched it. Yeah, I did <laughs> like it. I like Sam Neill, though. He's just Yeah, we didn't mention him. He's terrific. It's also some of his best monster practical work since The Thing. Some of the monsters in here are bad. Ass. Apparently, I heard that they cut a lot of it out too. They like did. he wanted a ton in in the actual movie, and some of it towards the end, like they cut out because they felt like, oh, it looks like practical effects. Cut it's, it. it's clear yeah. that this guy had a bigger vision for the story than yeah, you than actually end up seeing on budget the screen. For it. There's so many great moments in this that you're just like blown away, but it didn't take a lot. Like that, the the innkeeper and her husband. Yeah, like that is brief. one of my. Favorite See, I was about to mention that I think the moment when you they pan down and you're like, what's going on underneath this counter mm-hmm. is genuinely terrifying and weird and strange in a way that most movies don't even go there. And it's just like, it's such a shock and you're like, Whoa! What what's happening? Like, but you know what I like? He handles it with class, though, too. Mm-hmm. And like in Terry, he doesn't like it. Doesn't it's not overly graphic, but that's that ambiguity that makes it creepy. But it, I mean, I feel it in the pit of my stomach. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of my favorite cuts in the entire movie. That's what I appreciate about Carpenter though, too. Though is he doesn't. Go, I mean, sure, it is gory sometimes, but he doesn't go over the top. No, it, it's just enough that you get what's going on, and your imagination does the rest. But see, where I disagree with you, a tad, is I love the first thirty percent of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the you said, setup it, is really the setup to me. Like is the best part. And then once I got in there, I was I started questioning a lot of things. Like, okay, wait, what? Like, why does this guy look like Vigo from Ghostbusters two? Like <laughs> hanging out on this like one church with like it just I just started questioning well, all these things, and then things. I mean. It gets repetitive. It, it just does. Like we can't leave the town. I it, didn't. That didn't like bother me even slightly. Well, part like, of that's very. But to me, even the look. But even the look to me, it looks dated. 
I look at this movie and it's it so dated, dated to me. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I, like, I do I watch the 70s and early 80s? They look that's pretty actually, amazing. I kind of agree with that because it was 95, but I thought that, like, when Looks I... Like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like a 70s movie. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is 95. It is not as sophisticated, probably visually... Cinematography-wise, I don't think it's sort of uh, as grounded or, or interesting as maybe something like Christine. Yeah. I'd agree with that. But I do think... Uh, by the way, I want to point out... Um, do you guys know who wrote this movie? Yeah, Michael yeah, DeLuca. Michael DeLuca. Yeah. Big producer. Is, huge producer. Huge yeah. producer. He was Samuels. actually an executive... Uh, this was his only real produced screenplay. And he was a big executive at New Line, like Greenlighted... And he read an episode of Voyager. What? Oh he my did? god, yeah. we don't he have also to bring was... Star Trek into everything. No, he, was, <laughs> he was actually, apparently his script was one of the things that helped conceive of Voyager as a show in the first oh, wow. place. So. Well, uh, a big actual film nerd, and um, and it went on to sort of be one of the younger executives ever in the history of big movies. Greenlighted <laughs> 7 and helped greenlight the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Um, and this was... he. He's this an Oscar-winning producer. Right, and now he's gone on to produce, like, The Social Network and all this big shit, and actually produced the Oscars this year. Uh, Oscar-winning and Oscar-producing. Yeah, and Oscar-fucking-up um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, producer. Um, but fascinating, and I think it feels like a person who's probably a big fan of Lovecraft, and then you luckily have someone like Carpenter who gets Lovecraft yeah. and understands how to do who's it. Who's been dying for a chance to make a Lovecraft Right, because I think he, he hints at all kinds of Lovecraftian ideas, even in like The Thing or something, the yeah. idea of an endless entity. It's not even subtle. I mean, like, even when they're reading out, which they repeatedly do, quotes from the books or, mm-hmm. or names of the books, they're all... Like, not quite word for word, but, like, missing two words out right. of 30 Lovecraft right. quotes, you know? So... Like, like, like even towards the end where they describe the, 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 the void when you yeah. see it as the illimitable gulf of the unknown, which is exactly the quote from The Rats on the Walls right. from Lovecraft. So, Summers Brothers, I mean, did you... This is your least listen, favorite. I'm getting no, a... No, I have loved this film okay, uh, since its initial release. And I think also this is an example of the kind of movie that gets dismissed because of a, a director's sort of later filmography. Mm-hmm. And and this sense. is not that movie. And it's a movie that, I mean, Rob and I certainly have revisited certainly like several times. Oh, yeah. Well, and then right after this, he made our favorite <laughs> sarcasm, uh, Body Bags, yeah. which well, uh, we all... No, wasn't eat. that before this? No, Body Bags is after this. Well, yeah, probably, yeah. I have it as but, before, but maybe Are we jumping to Body released. Bags? Well, for I release think as I a think film. I'm, yeah, I'm trying okay, to separate. Okay, we're jumping to Body Bags. Trying to but if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you will like In the Mouth of Madness. Go out of your way to see it. <laughs> I would and not only that, but you have Sam Neill, who's terrific. Um, Sam Neill's terrific. Crack now as... Uh, Hugo Weaving Jr., our senior. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I think if you, it, it is not a perfect film. No. But I think that and but it's super. But fun. if you want to watch actual horror from Carpenter, I think Prince of Darkness and and In the Mouth of Madness are really closer to the straight up horror movies. Yeah. More than his other films. Like I mean, you're, we're talking about films that are weird, scary, dark. Strange. You and think more than Halloween and the Thing? These are better yeah, horror movies. I do. Well, maybe not Halloween. I think you're right. I don't know if they're better movies, but there's certainly more examples of, of. I was actually. I'm horror probably. Like, I'm probably when I watch any of his movies, horror-ish. Prince of Darkness horror-ish. and In the Mouth of Madness are the two movies where I'm by myself in the house and I'm like, I'm getting kind of crazy. Is it because it involves more heaven, hell, priest than that? Yeah, I do, I do. I think that the apocalyptic underpinnings of these movies, I think that's absolutely true. And his his sort of 
um, ability to not blunt that. Right. Like, these are apocalyptic Armageddon sort of movies, and you feel that in every frame of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Now, I'll be honest. From here on out in his career, yeah, this is I about am, I'm I really having think a hard time finding anything I really I think he made only one other thing that I would even say is worth really... <laughs> let's get into let's it. Let's do this. All right, what's next? What's next? Okay, Body Bags is next. I don't want to spend a lot of time on No, I mean, it's he made getting together with all his horror movie buddies, most most specifically Toby Hooper, who made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wes Craven. A little movie you might have heard of. Wes Craven yeah, has yeah. a little cameo They, they put in together it. for uh, Showtime these a couple episodes as a sort of like, hey, here's our pilot thing for what we think would make a great horror anthology show. Showtime turned it down. He retook the footage and assembled it into this anthology Painful. film, three-part anthology film that quite frankly, really fucking sucks. Wait, 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 wait. What, what, what year was this made, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, 93, 93 is what I have. Yeah, Showtime in 93 was one of the <laughs> yeah. worst networks. Yeah. Turn her down. Yeah. That's I mean, honestly, I think that the only reason why any horror fan would watch Body Bags is for the cameos. There's no. so many great Even cameos. Then. There's Toby this Hooper. Is, this is look, a I gave them a look. Greg, Greg we walked Nicotero, in today. Greg Nickerton. Chris gave has me a, a very nice Blu ray of this and to watch, <laughs> which I had never seen. And when I gave it back to him today, I've never been more happy to give back. I'm not saying it's like, good. It I'm just saying if you're going to watch it, that's the only so reason. It's definitely a Carpenter complete. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a reason you watch this is because you like Carpenter, but it's junk. Well, it's got Sam Raimi too. Look at that. Yeah, look. Oh Sam my Raimi. god, this it doesn't matter Sheena who's in Easton, it. Carpenter doesn't matter. Carpenter's can't sell this movie enough. Well, Carpenter's had a thing throughout his whole career of referencing heavily other stuff, of casting people he's worked with before, of Naming people and normally I like that. Admired. This is like that end of party at six a.m. version of that, <laughs> where like you know, everyone's like, done it's far kind too of, much cocaine. It's kind of pathetic at this point. Yeah. Uh, the way they're ne- so, so real quick, we should summarize. Oh, Christ. Well, you're the look, I'm just, look, I'm just going to summarize this thing in like two seconds. Basically, summarize Carpenter, it. take three episodes of the worst HBO TV show, like Tales from the Crypt or The Hitchhiker from like yeah. the 80s slash The 90s. worst episodes of that show. Yeah, of that show. Take that show and then take the worst episodes of that show. And then mush them together in a feature film where it's basically three tiny Twilight Zone. Carpenter in it as the bizarre Crypt Keeper yeah. guy in this like so morgue. It's part painful would, to watch. I don't want to watch this. Oh, dude, you don't want to watch it. The only part I call watchable is those interstitial parts because they're just so unbelievably no. absurd Terrible. that they even exist. They are like the, watching something like, where oh, check out this thing on YouTube that everybody tried to bury. Like what if Carpenter was playing the Crypt Keeper? This is the horror <laughs> equivalent of <laughs> the Star Wars Christmas special. fucking Oh, and you can see, no, you can yeah. see Nothing's that it's basically, that you can see that it's a made-for-HBO Showtime type show. Yeah. Oh, you can God. see that that's Dude, really what Stacy Keach is a guy who grows Stacey like like metal eighties metalhead long Keech. hair. So there's all these scenes of Stacy Keach. That, that, that doesn't even do justice to how bad that Who's segment is. Love interest is, is oh, Sheena God. Easton. Is that who all that right. is? Yeah, she looks great. And of course, Debbie Harry is the nurse. All right, let's move on to the next. Okay, I don't because honestly, I. 
don't feel like this is a Carpenter movie, but more importantly, I don't really feel like this is a movie. Well, it's two I think the Summers Brothers the second... have a really strong. Uh, yeah. It's a bad you can't. Movie. There can't be anything you like. Yeah, you're like... yeah, your boy fell in his face here, huh? Oh yeah, no, he sucks. <laughs> I mean, two of the two of the episodes are Carpenter. One is is uh, Toby Hooper directed, but which is even worse than the Carpenter. It one. doesn't right. matter who directed. And you're like, it. oh, Mark Hamill's in this. This will be fun. No, it's not. Speaking fun. of Mark Hamill, get it's not worth yeah. uh, investigating. Speaking of Mark Hamill, that's actually our next movie, which is Village of the Dam, which I absolutely Hello. love Village of the Dam. So you guys wow, can all fuck this off. just happened. <laughs> this is going to be right, fun. Who's summarizing Village of the Dam? I, I will say, of the horror films that we're covering, this isn't my least favorite Carpenter. That probably still goes to Escape from L.A. But this is my least favorite Carpenter horror film. I, I, I like that. I find it right, so incredible. I would say banal. The Fog. I would say really? the fog. I still say the fog. I, still say the fog. I can't finish the fog. Some, I can finish some, some, someone um, summarize this. I'll, I'll, I'll go, do, go it. do it. Go, please. Um, he's like, I'll take this bullet for you guys because I love there's it. A, there's a small town. Um, aliens pretty much show up and knock everyone unconscious. And rape them. And the women wake <laughs> up and have, uh, they're pregnant. And there's a doctor in town played by Superman, uh, Christopher Reeves. And he's like, hold on, everyone's knocked up. This is odd. Then they give birth to uh, <laughs> some little alien albinos. And uh, like, well, that's fine. And, the most dismissive plot summary in the history of it. <laughs> and one alien albino is missing his mate because it was stillborn. And that kid grows up to be an actor, by the way. That kid's like in other movies. Yeah, he uh, was in, he was he's in, in the in new a, nightmare. Uh, the, the, no, the, the Terminator, the, the television show. Shit, Terminator. but he's also in that new Nightmare on Elm Street remake too, uh, with uh, Rooney Mara. Thomas uh, Decker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, so he was a little kid. He was Sarah David. Connor, Sarah Connor Connor. So anyway, I can't say point Sarah being Connor. is um, little alien kids uh, <laughs> get, get blown up and shit. And this bad thing happens and the town uh, gets raped by aliens. Nothing happens in this fucking movie that stuff should be on. You're just like, and everyone acts like, well, I guess we got alien kids now. Okay. What I, I don't know do? that I totally agree with that. I think there are some really, uh, first of all, I think. Christopher Reeve in this movie it is amazing. amazing and worth watching the movie for. I think it will. I Last it. movie he made before he was great. I hate it. And he was, he's disagree. great in the movie. Um, Kirstie Alley is great. I hated um, him. Hamill, I don't think is particularly. I hated him. You know, this is weirdly Michael. <laughs> I hated every actor in this movie. Right. I'm going to disagree with Phil. I think the three leads, Alley. You see Michael um, Perry's given lead billing and he dies five minutes into the film and you're like, why oh was he God. given right, lead listen, billing? The Suits of Fire <laughs> thing is a I whole other thing. I need to talk about this for a second. I absolutely love the cast of this movie. This is like my 90s dream cast. I'm going to go and with patience on this. First of all, <laughs> Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers, uh-huh. he is like my... I Once again, him. in it for five minutes. It doesn't matter. Maybe yeah. ten. Maybe, Maybe ten. ten. Maybe no, but... He was bigger than helium. But, but, but I want to go with well. patience this in the sense that Carpenter cast. did the kind of thing that we all give Tarantino credit for, which is he finds these actors that are in other movies or that we think are sort of past their prime and gives them a really interesting role and lets them run with it. Oh, man. You know, he himself described it as a contractual assignment, which he was not at all passionate about. I, I, that said, I don't think it's a bad movie. That's also movie. some of his okay. best movies. Okay, okay, okay. okay. agreed on that. So, uh, real quick, when you look at this movie, it looks like a... like. A telenovela. It looks like a soap opera. So bad. It's overlit. The acting is so on point that it annoys the shit out of me. I think the main little girl is terrific. Oh, the little girl is actually the only good one in there. You're right. I hate the leads. Should be simple. 
and effective, and instead they're cheap CG, like early CG that look terrible and mm-hmm. like give no. I mean, like there would have been a way to do this that would have made it pretty cool, that would have cost about as much, but no imagination of any kind. But I, I think you glimpse. There's a scene where Christopher Reeve confronts the children in the classroom. Do you Which scene? This? And he says, the ending when he has the wall. No, no. The yeah, he, he. But he says like you should feel something. You should you should understand. And he tries to explain emotion to them. <laughs> yeah, and it's a sophisticated, interesting scene. It's what Carpenter's films do when they're really firing all cylinders. It's the best scene in the film. It is. It is. And yeah. and Reeve is terrific in it. And the kids are great. And there's an idea. And again, we're into I think like what I said. Carpenter is one of the only specialists ever in science fiction horror. And he and he clicks on right there. Everything in the movie comes together, and you glimpse what the movie. Should kind of be, but it's also maybe, a remake. It's also a remake. It is a remake, is and a remake. and I think so the, is the thing. But yeah, no, but the, but the remake in this case is far superior to than the thing. The thing I I like the remake better. We're yeah. actually the old the original. The original the is very, very better. It's much better. But, but I do think there's an idea there. There's an emotionality. There's a science fiction idea of like aliens and people and humanity and everything kind of comes together for me in that one moment. And in a way that, like, cinema, when it clicks, when movies work, this movie has that well, scene. Well, and in particular what Carpenter does, which is take science fiction or genre pictures and and engage with an idea within that construct. See, yeah. see, I mean, to me, it looks like he just didn't give a shit. He doesn't, yeah. and I agree with you. And, and it I, just feels like not he, just phoned, great, he phoned it in, man. It's not a great film, and I think you can feel his heart sign in it, but I do think... If you're a science fiction fan, a fan of like things like Star Trek, things that have ideas, Carpenter, do, there is still ideas in this film. The movie is not successful. You're right. It's 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 cheesy. It's low budget. Um, most of it's it's not scary. It's not really exciting. <laughs> but it is 100. It is. But even but the intros, if you look at all of the movies, how many movies do you sit through that have no fucking ideas? I, like that's why I think like something like this. True. That's why I think like when I watch Carpenter, but it was his idea. You're right. The that's what, that's the what I'm film upset about. It's not his idea, but his interpretation of it has ideas. There are things going on in it, and I, I guess I, this is where I do get into trouble as far as like when I like a movie. You're right. The film is pro is not a success. When I watched it, even this last time, you change like, his name on that movie, and again, no one even talking like, about it. I would yeah. still like things about it. I would still. I, I absolutely disagree. I actually like this film because I think it has a lot of elements of Carpenter in it. Yes. Um, whereas he's... Uh, one of the things that I like about Carpenter, believe it or not, is I really like how he has this whole, like... See, a lot of themes that run through his movies are, like, self-mutilation and, like, being forced to hurt yourself. Mm. And I think Village of the Dam captures that the most, where these kids are, like, controlling you. They're forcing you to hurt yourself against your will, which is something that is a rampant theme in all of Carpenter's movies. And this one captures it the best. And even though he didn't write it, I thought he portrayed it. And I thought that that was the essence of Carpenter in those scenes. See, what, what I find really interesting is, like, when I watch, you know, Carpenter movies, you, I think you can tell in the first ten minutes whether or not he gives a shit, based on how he brings people into the movie. And this one, it's like, here's an ocean with kind of a shadow. Here's a tree <laughs> with kind of a bad CG shadow. Here's a house with kind of a bad CG shadow. And someone wakes up and goes, did you hear that? I didn't hear nothing. 
And I'm like, and like to me, it's like you look at other scenes. You look at the beginning of the thing. But, Fucking hey, that's an intro. But then the beginning has, of Halloween, that's an intro. The beginning of Christine, that's an intro. I could tell in the first five minutes he gave a shit or didn't give a shit. But and then there's this guy like burning to death on the barbecue. That was cool, and that was 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in. That was, was cool. It? I thought it was earlier. Like Christopher Reeve should have just been yelling out every five minutes. I was Superman. Superman. God damn it! What am I doing oh, here? You know what I want to do though? And Mark Hamill, I was fucking Luke was, Skywalker. Wait, wait, what was? We me? should have our own Luke. Skywalker meets Superman film. I would watch that over this. What was that Ring versus the Grudge movie? What was it called? Oh, uh, uh, Sedako versus Kayako. I can never remember that. So thing. I'm always like Sakuraba oh, versus so freaking Kakarot. They just hear the What I want to do. What I want to do. The Brood versus the Damned. There you go. That would be great. Yeah. Oh, That'd wow. be fun. Wow. All right. So we, for a second time, we got to move on to a John. The this isn't this the first one that actually this, got listed officially as John Carpenter's Vampires as opposed to just the title of the film. This is uh, John Carpenter's the Christine. John Carpenter's the thing. It, I mean, like, it felt like, but something. like this every time I see a title like this listed anywhere, it's listed under John, John Carpenter's, Carpenter's vampires. vampires. Those other films I don't see Maybe. listed that. John Carpenter's way. Vampires. This is where John Carpenter goes downhill for me for sure. This yeah. is where I. Uh, he, he loses again. <laughs> yeah, but even this, the couch even this is like a, a shift slightly up gear from Village of the Dam. I agree. I, 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 I agree. I can't believe I'm the only Doom Patroller <laughs> that liked Village of the Dam. Oh, no, I, 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 I totally agree. I think it's worth seeing the movie, and I think it's I think it's worth. Okay, if you guys have a rest. one to ten rating, I just want to hear one to tens on Village of the Dam real quick. I would say I'm, seven and seven point five. Right there. I'd give it like a I, two and a half. I'm there with you. Two and a half, three. Yeah. I'd rather watch that movie than a lot of movies. I'd, I'm closer to patience. I'm going to go with seven for sure. Wow. Really? It dude, was... I, dude, it's it's sci-fi. There's in, there's there's actors I like in it. It's John Carpenter. There's stuff going on. Yes. Everything you guys said is true. <laughs> but cast alone. Yeah, man. But there's, there's you ideas. No, of course. This means hey, man, more. How many, how many hour and a half movies have you sat Carpenter through couch. that don't okay. have one good scene? That's true. And Village of the Dam has at least one That's or two That's not enough for me to give it five extra points. <laughs> Points of the scale. Chris, yeah, that is. and Philip are going to make me sit on the carpenter couch now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, we have room over here. Hey, hey, like, sit with your friends. Until she talks about vampires, yeah, get your but, ass back oh, to the other couch. I haven't heard my thoughts All on right. Ghost of Mars. Let's get the vampires summarized. <laughs> Russ, it's, is this it's, your summary? It's, it's no. Oh, no, I'll do it. I'll right, do okay. it. Okay, Please so James Wood. dying to do it. James Wood um, makes a terrible choice to be in this film. Oh, and that is no bias. It's a for the record that's right there. Hostile witness. Yes. <laughs> okay, I guess Russ should do that. You have to be unbiased on your synopsis. <laughs> Russ, you James Woods makes an awesome choice <laughs> to be in a John Carpenter movie about fucking vampires. Oh, motherfucking The vampires. end. Uh, uh, James in this, Woods. In this from Dust Till Dawn ripoff. No! Wow. This is bullshit. This is. I hope wow. there's at least this, one this podcast, podcast has gone and across the room. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm just going to take this over super quick. John Carpenter, or I'm sorry, John Carpenter makes this film, which is uh, I'm not going to get biased about. But uh, James Woods is the leader of um, a group of vampire hunters that is sanctioned by the uh, church. To hunt out vampires, shit goes south, and uh, he has to, um, as uh, 
his team gets wiped out, the vampires get the upper hand, his team gets wiped out, and he has to kind of uh, team up with people he wouldn't normally team up with to take the rest like of the... Like Daniel Baldwin? The big Oh, my God. He's so great. I mean, he's so great. You tell me you're being sarcastic I am. That. I'm totally being sarcastic. Okay, so, so real quick, the cool thing about this movie, because... Oh, God bless you. Thank you. Um, while we're talking about vampires and the devil. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this movie is it is a Western. It was almost like... John Carpenter duped people into being like, yeah, I'm going to make your vampire no, movie. It, no, it's it very much, and there's even inspired. a couple shots that remind you of, it's very much the Oh, sure. It, if I you mean, watch... said, while Bunch Red River, this yeah. was... Oh, see, I, I read fun. nothing about the backstory on this. I'm yeah. just, just watching it. When you watch them prepping to go into the first house, where, like, you know, there's, there's going to be some vamps in this the New Mexican house. The opening sequence of this alone is worth watching. The, the opening sequence, it takes them ten minutes to walk into a house because they load their guns, stop, pause, look at the house, camera dolly in on Woods' face camera dies on the door they walk two more steps pause wide shot and it's literally only selling i don't know why phil thinks this is a negative (laughs) no 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 no. i'm saying i'm saying the positive watch this movie right is it is straight up like a sergio leone spaghetti western with vampires agree and like he completely duped somebody in the letter to make this movie and turn into a western which to me is fun i mean he had said at this point i was considering retiring because he said quote it has stopped being fun making movies all right you can see why which obviously it was for a long time. Even with his films that we, in retrospect, go, these were really good movies at the time, were not received very well. And he was like, okay, I'm kind of tired with being Fun your... Fun fact, this like, was his only 90s movie that actually made any money. It was the only 90s movie that turned I saw it in the theaters. I paid. I added to that. And even oh, then, was I'm only so doubled sorry, the budget. Phil, it wasn't bad. Great. It wasn't bad. I like James Woods, okay. though. But it basically, they turned bad. on... They went and said, here's this thing, and he read the book, and he went, I get, I finally get to make my Howard Hawks film again. Like, I get to make a real right, Which, again, film, you know? shows what kind of director he is, which is he has a vision for this film that is specific to John Carpenter. And I think like that's why he's a great director. No one would have made the movie that no one would have said, let's do the Wild Bunch, but with vampires. And this and film, I think he both, makes that now I don't I don't love I don't think this movie's perfect. This film succeeds and fails because of the casting. Like it's a movie that could have been a would have been a totally different movie if they had cast somebody different than James Woods and Daniel Baldwin. Who Baldwin. both are the best and worst parts about this film. Like, this is not a good film because Woods is in it. It's a very entertainingly watchable film because James Woods is in it. It makes me think that he just loves Sergio Leone so much yeah. that he cast James Woods because of Once Upon a Time in America. It's just thing. so... And apparently he let Woods walk all over him, too. It's so Woods well, is great in the movie. I agree. I'm just saying, yeah. apparently, it was like... I mean, he Woods, cast, look, Woods, Woods is, is a, famous Woods for is being a vampire hunting badass. Yeah. I mean, dude, sign me up. Woods is famous for being difficult, but Carpenter said repeatedly in interviews, actually, it worked... Because the deal was, I'll film whatever it is you want to do with the version of the f- film as long as you agree to let me film my version. And the movie's awesome. And they both would agree, and sometimes they went with his version, and sometimes they went with Carpenter's yeah. version. And it worked because of that. I, I like their relationship on this. I like him in the role. It just... I, I can see where the, uh, the original author was like, okay. wow, this doesn't even resemble so, my book anymore. So, not, so first off, I have to say, because it's a horror podcast, this isn't a scary movie, really, in any scene ever. No, no um, but and it also doesn't live up to the Wild Bunch in any... Nothing lives up wise it Trust lives up with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just yeah, that's, 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 well, like, I mean, that's not a bad standard. I would say that the only redeeming quality I liked about vampires as a vampire movie is that he did get away from that brooding vampire that we're so sick of in the 90s. You know Who, what I mean? Who's like, a vampire? Tom Seenger. Okay, Tom Seenger. Yeah. Um, which I think he's done... He was like an action star, a, kind yeah. of. And it was a neat... 
again, like Carpenter sort of cast him sort of against type as the bad guy. But he does, and this was a mistake, I think, in the film, he's very much a traditional sort of vampire in the he sense just, that, He just kills. Yeah, he's just like sort of the, the, the sort of handsome vampire, the Dracula definitely, guy. Definitely, yeah. Uh, definitely another handsome, another like, church fuck-up. Yeah, he's just the Dracula vampire. Yeah. But think about it, another church fuck-up or another well, Carpenter so, movie. So Russell and I have this theory that yeah, if you're a filmmaker, you have your vampire. Now, maybe he's the Nosferatu vampire. Maybe he's the Dracula vampire. Obviously, this was Carpenter's vampire. This is the killing vampire. Yeah, and he's not the greatest. He's not the most interesting vampire. He's no. obviously... He casts a sort of somewhat interesting... I think he has, like, two lines or something. I mean, I mean he's a little more bit more than that. He says um, his name a couple times. There's <laughs> definitely some weird misogyny in the movie. I don't love... It's a weird take on the whole, like, okay, there are masters, but he's the master's master, but yeah. then he's never really given a personality. The mythology of the movie is weak. I mean, I mean one, one of the things I really liked here was Cheryl Lee. Who is weird that she's even a part of this? But movie. I do feel like there's some weird misogyny towards her oh, character. Totally. Oh yeah. But her performance, James Woods. Her is performance like... nails that. My theory that Cheryl Lee is the greatest actress in history of representing unfathomable horror in a performance. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has ever gotten that. Like I'm so scared that like. There just aren't words. My soul is being destroyed as you're watching me. That's how frightening whatever I'm now seeing I have to is. Come up. Yeah. Like, I, she did it great in Twin Peaks and she did it great here. And it, it's like one of those little added things in this movie that brings it up a notch for me because she's so scared that it makes you feel like you should be sca- more scared, even though when you finally see the vampire, see, you're like, mostly you're my still monkey, kind of no, a pretty I mean, boy. I agree with you. Mostly my monkey brain is distracted by how cute she is in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's a really attractive woman. I say what? Crim Terranol. Oh it's my god, I don't care. That is, that is like not what I care about. I thought you said all. But I do think that the <laughs> film is probably one of Carpenter's biggest examples of misogyny. Her character is definitely I, problematic politically. Well, like, her in a relationship with Daniel Well, Baldwin. I was about to say, I hated yeah. Daniel Baldwin's character arc. Made no sense to me that you well, can beat a woman and, and, and then fall in love with her. Terrible best, yeah. terrible lot of things. Yeah, not, not. Well, See, the funny thing is, is my, <laughs> my, stole that the, my biggest <laughs> problem Park. with this movie is I feel like Carpenter just went on the cheap. Like, he definitely, it didn't feel like he cared about this movie. I mean, he reuses this, like, sunrise stock footage, like, no less than three times at the mm. end, where he's just panning to this, like, sky, and, and it's like, that's the same sky we just saw an hour ago in the movie. Like, wouldn't the sky look different? I mean, isn't it supposed to be sunrise? I mean, I mean it's you know, just, it just I felt like he went on the cheap. It is, it is a not successful film, but I will say, and I think I, I was talking about this earlier, just the beginning alone, where they're dragging vampires out with like harpoons that's and winches. The biggest problem is that it, that's so cool. Yeah, it's good. First, and then, and then, and then five to like, ten minutes. I want to watch a whole ensemble action right. film and with they, this crew. Right, and, and then, then they, they kill, kill everybody. Can um, we make a remake? We need a remake. Yeah, well, well it doesn't. There's, well, there's a sequel there's, with John Bon Jovi. There's two yeah. and the Tasha uh, Jackson Wagner. I have sequels. seen the sequel. I actually think the third direct-to-video sequel. Is kind of interesting, you know, and not a bad movie. Whoa, what, you what, saw that? No, it's the one with um, they reference. Believe it or not, Ambrose Bierce no, described that's, that's as a martial arts vampire. Oh, I totally film. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what though? Wait, it, is, it, is that the one with John Bon Jovi? Yeah, yeah that's John Bon Jovi. No, 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 vampires Los Muertos. Oh, uh, yeah, about the I'm one. talking about the third one. So the okay. third one is Vampires: The Turning. The second one is Los Muertos. Is Los Muertos? Okay, the night was John Bon So here's my thing with it. He obviously. Did not give a shit 
about this movie because when you're no, watching it, I don't think that's true. 100%. I've seen Halloween. I've seen when you kill somebody, how it looks when you kill somebody. And I've seen a wide shot from behind Valak the Vampire just throwing fucking weird left and right hooks at nothing and people flying out of the way. Like, since when did you forget how to direct a scene of somebody getting killed with a fucking weapon or a hand? And not unlike, When did you forget to shoot a close-up? When did you forget? Unlike I mean, the fog where the ghosts were using knives, why are the vampire hunters using guns? Why are constantly. they using oh, guns? All through it, they're constantly shooting. It's like, it does nothing! <laughs> it mean, slows them down like, a little it, bit for a yeah, second. Yeah, but like, for like literally a second. They're literally a second. If you watch the scene when Valak destroys the monks, yeah. it's like watching a bad segment of like WWF like, from like the 80s. He's yeah. just throwing weird like hooks so, and people are just jumping. And like, I'm sorry, I've seen your other movies. You know how to direct action. You know how to kill people. And you just don't give a fuck. Right, so I, I agree with out. all these critiques. But would you guys say like this is a film you just you thought was just a chore to watch? No, no, no. And I would say that about all of Carpenter's. This is a this movies. is a hungover Sunday TNT film, and, and I think like how is that, that a critique? I mean, <laughs> it's one of those like yeah, you'd keep watching it when you're in that like I don't want to move. I may never watch but it I again. I found a stop to fl- flipping I moment. I think you I'm would like, watch it. Again. I'm entertained enough to watch it when I got l- l- nothing. I'm trying to avoid. I mean, doing that to me else. is a pretty good. Movie. Now I feel like uh, I need to watch part two with John Bon Jovi. I mean, that's uh, how I, I fell in love with. That's that. how I fell in love with Pootie Tang. So, oh my saying. god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you on will no longer get to critic anything else ever. All right, moving on. Wait, Louis C.K. directed Pootie Tang. Yeah, he did. I. I'm aware. Pootie Tang is worthy of a, a revisit. How did we go there? How did, how did, when did things go off the rails Speaking so bad? Speaking of really terrible fucking Wait, movies. I do want to say real quick, Gene Siskel called this one of the top ten films of 1998. Gene Siskel Placed it as his 10th favorite film. He said, was Gene uh, Siskel or was Ebert? Gene Siskel. Okay. He said it was a high action homage to westerns and classic horror that actually has a good story and a film that should put John Carpenter back on the map as a horror director and a film director in general. He gave it four stars out of four and uh, expressed, of course, specifically that he was happy there was a horror movie that had an all-adult cast and there were no teenagers. I, I missed Gene I missed oh, you. I took the words out of my mouth. And I he suggested that James Woods should have been nominated for Best Actor. He's great James Woods has some great stuff in that movie. Look, if I told you I, John Carpenter made a Vampire Hunter movie with James Woods, would you be like, no, I'm not going to watch that. No, no, <laughs> wait, wait. If you told me John Carpenter in 1979 or 1984 made a vampire movie with James Woods, I'm all fucking in. Oh, snap. Because believe me, like there are moments of greatness in there that is John Carpenter. But there's so many other moments where he checked out. I agree. That to me, you can't, you can't sell me that when so many other things are a 10 out of 10. I don't think this movie's perfect, but honestly... But that's, where, that's, that's but to me, like my right. opinion is, is he it, is this man I up here. I think what you have to say is, this is the distinction we're making is, yes, you're right, the film is not a, a success... Overall. He's not my John Carpenter standard. But is there enough great shit in there That's to not say, my John check Carpenter. this? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Not my John wow. Carpenter. Wow. It's not, right. not my president. So it's showing the one that like you, me and the Summers Brothers have been arguing about for literally like a month now because I think this film is a despicable piece of shit. I think it's shit. the worst thing I've ever seen like, in my life. Is this fair? You guys just start the review. So like, we haven't even summarized it. Objection, Your Honor. Yeah, exactly. Badgering <laughs> the audience. Once again, it started with John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, because from here on out, everything's got to be fucking This film is such garbage. Part of the reason you can't is, tell me you this, guys liked this, this film. film was written, I like this film. This film was written originally as the third Escape, Escape from, from New York yeah. film. It was Escape written as Escape from Mars, and Escape from L.A. was a 
a ridiculously huge bomb, as it deserved to be, because it's utter It's probably shit. Carpenter's worst movie. And oh, Bruce Campbell is good in it, though. The for the five said, seconds he's in it. Okay, let's rewrite this. Like, for those who don't know, Ice Cube's character, Desolation Williams, was originally going to be Snake Plissken. You know, how he ended up on Mars, whatever. It doesn't matter, thinking about it now. Although, originally, Jason Statham, when he was cast, was cast as the lead in that movie. And then the studio Strange was like, Jason Statham isn't a big enough If they star. knew that. We're they big enough like, stars, so let's put Ice Cube? At the time, Ice Cube was carrying into it. They thought he was going to be He was star. in Anaconda. Do I have to remind you hey, people? I like, Andrew time, King. I like Every time Anaconda. anyone says Anaconda, I just think of John Voigt blinking at me with one eye. <laughs> I right. like Anaconda. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving yeah, Summer, on. Somebody summarize Ghost of Mars. You guys, because this is your movie, you love this. this You're like, stupid. I love this movie. So, John, so there are ghosts and they're on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the yeah, end. Ghosts, you, who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> so um, that's shitty. a great pitch. Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> this is a uh, flashback-filled uh, film where Holy Natasha Hendricks' character... Who is part of a matriarchal society? Some like we'd all been fooled into thinking she had talent of any kind other than her breasts. She's attractive. Is, I didn't even get to finish. She's a drug addict. Sorry, sorry. You're right. Who was Which is again a fascinating point that who John, Courtney Love was originally cast as. Uh, yes, I remember that. Um, and uh, she recounts a tale of how um, in a futuristic society. Um, on Mars, they go to investigate uh, a mining town where weird shit has happened, and they realize that um, the miners have unleashed an ancient Martian horror that inhabits people. Did you and call, say horror? horror. It's Courtney Love. That's what and she horror, comes in. Horror too. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and they uh, battle with that as they try to escape. And the I want to see that movie. Yeah. Um, I would like I to point out horde. No, this film. Uh, I saw in the theater, Me too. and my girlfriend at the time was so pissed off, she, she tried to break up with me in the parking lot of the movie theater. That's how bad By the way, she is. failed. Um, wait, 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 what's her name? Can we do a shout out to this girlfriend? Would be weird no, we like, can't. Shout, shout out, shout out to her, to her, who is probably not watching, not listening to this podcast. But I would like to say, um, that said... This, to me, is the movie or the kind of movie that um, the Summers Brothers over on this side of the couch uh, greatly enjoy about John Carpenter. I feel like there's a lot of ideas. I feel like um, it's an entertaining movie. Is it the greatest movie of all time? No. No. no, it's no. not. It's not. But it is a movie, movie I have watched over and over again. And there are several movies. Was it in focus? Yes. <laughs> it was in focus. It was well lit. That's what you're it saying. It was well edited. There was continuity. Well edited? I mean, come on. There was a literally a double, triple flashback? Yeah. Was, how was that bad? <laughs> the character in a flashback had another flashback. Exactly. Flashbacks all this shit. I love that flashback. Alright. <laughs> so many, like literally, all right, that's all right, in my notes. Listen, all caps. So I'm gonna have to consult my flashbacks. notes because I was prepared for you, asshole. Oh, okay, boy. so Rustin <laughs> had a lot of ideas, and I think that that's one of the things that's the down point of this movie, is there's just too many ideas, to the point where oh, he... Whoa, oh, no, too oh, too many ideas. I mean, it was to the point where he kind of lost track of his ideas that the plot suffered. I mean, the <laughs> biggest plot hole. Your plot suffered. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> the this biggest is where we've plot hole to. is where they understand. <laughs> You're okay. the biggest plot hole. 
god. If we kill the people that are possessed by the ghosts, then the ghosts are going to infect other people, and so they continue to kill the people possessed by the ghosts. You have can, to, can, to can, escape them. Oh, I'm There's sorry. Can I just go I ahead mean, and they say it's literally kill everyone? This is like away. the scene in South Park where they're like, everybody has the pink eye zombie thing. <laughs> Don't go around and start chainsawing everybody, and they're chainsawing everybody. But, but here's here's my problem with this again. It's John Carpenter regurgitating greatness to make a less good movie. It is, oh, look. That's not a thing that exists. <laughs> somebody, I don't know what you're talking somebody's about. Somebody's infected. Oh, we killed them. Oh, it goes to somebody else now. Oh, somebody else is infected. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, look at the end of Vampires. Oh, we're in a town. Oh, it's a ghost town. Where are they? Oh, they're in this building over here. It's the exact same premise well, and thing well, over as, and over and over again. And it gets worse every time. A copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. details of it that were still interesting. I can't think of anything about this movie that is interesting. It doesn't feel regurgitated, oh, oh. half-assed, and no effort. Even down to like the editing, there's points of like conversation between characters where there's gaps between dialogue where there clearly shouldn't be oh. gaps between dialogue, especially with Ice Cube. Oh, look, who, let's face it, may be charismatic, but isn't much of an actor. Wait, R- Roger Ebert says it's the greatest movie of... No, he never said that. Sorry, we can't have that there. Um, I, I actually... <laughs> Russ is waiting no, right got, now. I've got notes, but patience, for um, what okay, you're saying. Okay, this is my final thoughts on yeah, Ghosts of Mars. I feel like the original Ghosts of Mars, I would have liked to have seen that screenplay. Because written for Escape from Mars with Snake Plissken, I feel like this is probably one of those things where they rewrote it so many damn times that we got this garbage that we have to this day, which doesn't make any sense. And I'm seriously, like, flashbacks? Come on. It's all flashbacks. If NWA and Easy e were alive when this happened, I mean, they would have buried Ice Cube. (laughs) Right? Summer's couch. I'll tell you some things I liked about it, which is I liked the classic Carpenter self-mutilation scenes. Yeah. Um, that was classic Carpenter. I like that. I mean, self-mutilation is kind of like one of the things that grosses me out. Who's barely in it? Pam Greer's great. Um, I liked Jason Statham. Has anybody well. given Pam Greer work at this point in her career when she was Even not getting work? I feel like he was thing. kind of misogynistic as well, Jason Statham. But, but was this was definitely the first vision of Statham going like, oh, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah, You know, you watch this, you're like, this guy's got more charisma he, than he, everybody he else. He doesn't get the shine in the movie. He only yeah. had Snatch under his belt, I think, at the it, time. It was the first time I've ever yeah. seen Statham. In was movie. Snatch before this? Yeah, yeah. I think that... Yeah. Snatch it was. was the yeah. first. Yeah, this is I think they're almost film. the same year. Wow, he he dropped drastically. Then Snatch was a really good movie. And good for him for <laughs> getting. But it was just moving from a little British movie. I'm just to I'm just talking shit about this. We're movie. just talking shit. <laughs> I want to hear why you guys love it. Yes. Oh, okay. Now we, Russ, we, we, we all love bad up. movies. Guys. I, we all agree to be quiet. Yes. They try yes. As, as Jules would say, allow me to retort. <laughs> <laughs> Bobster. No, you're like first. I got to on fire, and then I'm going to jump in. Uh, now, now I feel too much pressure. No, you're okay. Um, I, listen, I I understand all these criticisms of the movie. But I guess to me, and and as I said earlier, I think it's a film of ideas. Do I think those, those ideas are executed, you know, to the best extent? No, and certainly not in the Carpenter canon. But it's really great to see him return to some of the tropes that he has before. I feel like you're starting to see... You know, a reference to Assault on Precinct 13, a reference to The Thing, a reference to, you know, some of the other movies that we've loved about Carpenter. And I think 
is is Ice Cube, you know, perfectly cast in the film? No. Desolation Williams. As Desolation Williams, who's super sweet <laughs> in the movie. And I feel like, again, a reference to some of the characters that we've seen in Assault on Precinct 13 and The Thing. So... I don't know. Both I, of which are ten out of ten. But you know what? And, and I, but I, I, this you're is right. like a four. Right. Oh, we did, we agreed. Oh, like, sorry. Like oh, the summers. No, no, but uh, no, 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 no. Please, please. I know. I, I think you're right. Like all, <laughs> but I, I do think there's no director who has every movie's great. Um, and go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying, like, uh, no, no, no matter. I'm just saying. Phil. No. I, I, well, all I'm gonna say is, <laughs> yeah. People, no matter how great their past movies are or whatever their catalog is, you still don't just get a pass if you make a piece of shit. But I don't, I don't, but I don't, I don't, no, I don't a pass based on it being Carpenter. This is what I'm saying is that for the Summers Brothers, and I, and I think like this is where, again, I think we probably mentioned this on other podcasts, is I, I, I want to see that you put some thought into it. Yeah. And I do think that. So many movies that I watched, I thought, man, you just like like it's like you're watching some Anton Fuqua movie, like um, uh, uh, don't say Training Day. No, don't that's say his best day. film. Any film but Training Day. Yeah, by Anton but but Fuqua. I do think I mean you're watching like um, King Arthur, King Arthur, or, or Olympus Has Fallen, and you think like you guys act like I've never seen this movie before, and everything in this movie I've seen before. Yeah. You're yeah. obviously a talented person. You obviously can direct the crap out of stuff. But when I'm watching this, there's nothing I haven't seen this movie before. Now you're right. Assault or, or, or Ghost on Mars has many references to other stuff, but it was. I felt like when I watched it, it is not a perfect movie, and it's it's. In fact, a lot of it's not great, and I and I was and I understand. I think that when I watched it, I'm like, not perfect, but there's so many ideas. The flashback structure, which I, I understand you guys don't love, but there's flashbacks within flashbacks. That's it's an interesting structure for the film. Someone's narrating it, and there's flashbacks within that. Um, the main character is a drug addict, which I think is a f- sort of fascinating. And it ends up – there's a payoff to that, which not every movie would have. Um, you know, there's the uh, the uh, sort of sci-fi horror thing, Desolation Williams, the, the team up with the – I love the stuff where you have to team up with the bad guy to kind of fight a bigger horror. Um, and again, the matriarchal society. Which, I, which I actually hints, that, that part was I'll really Which cool. is a fascinating idea. And okay. I think like – are both of those things you just said. Yeah, what? I will. I, I agree with both of right. those things you just and, said. And yeah. I think also, again, Carpenter, despite his best efforts to not put himself into the movie, are in there. This sort of unknowable horror that you encounter and you're like, what are we going to do? And I think the ending's great. It ends the story, but you realize like the movie is – or the movie's over, but the story's not over. It is not, and I I like Natasha Hendricks in the lead. I think she's fairly interesting. I think she's uh, she's kind of it's I'm, a little distracting. I'm definitely how glad it was is. her over Courtney Love. I'll, right, I'll she's agree. an actual yeah, actress, I'll and, agree and, and um, as well. uh, you know, there's the bad guys are terrible. They look like Marilyn Manson sort of influenced terrible ripoffs. The the set design, the bright lighting, it's not great. Um, I agree with you guys on all those points as far as it. But when I I am a I am a fan of B movies, and this is a fucking B movie. If this thing came out, so you 19- like it because it's a bad movie? No, kind of. But I think if this was it, no. But that's kind of the thing is that when you watch B movies, like horror movies, and I think like that's kind of what but John Carpenter is not a B movie director. No, but, but I don't totally agree with that. But this is a guy who works in genre. He makes horror movies. He makes sci-fi movies. He makes movies that the, that mainstream. Um, I feel like his downswing in his career just beats you down that you're accepting it. No, I You're disagree. like a battered like no, because, person over here. Like, well, I well, but, but, but but Rob and I talked about this because what we talked about was um, certain directors, really great directors, make a movie um, at a certain point in their career, and it's 
so terrible, it makes you reevaluate their career <laughs> in terms of that film. And Carpenter has made films that are obviously do not live up to the standard of right. other parts of his filmography. But you still think those films are great in light of these other movies. And I, I, Ghosts of Mars, as problematic <coughs> as it is, does is I still enjoy that movie on the level or at least – you know, on par with some of these other movies that he made earlier in his filmography. And you know what? Actually, that's the thing about this podcast is that I didn't have to go back and rewatch most of these because I rewatch Carpenter movies all the time. I, I do too. And his yeah. movies are the – when you go like, what movie do you want to see? Nine times out of Just ten. Just not Ghost to Mars. It not Ghost to Mars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, okay. So maybe not Ghost to Mars. But even – but you would have to say out of this guy's filmography, the of the how many how many directors <laughs> make movies where you – I mean like – I heard the Summer Brothers to love me one tenth of the much that they love John Carpenter. Love Ghost of yeah, Mars. but when you he is when you walk into my house and Chris has been at the first movie poster you will see, and I have a bunch of fucking yeah. movie posters, is the fucking He's thing. Passionate. I love, but I love this guy, no, and I give a shit about. And his movies, the movies I love by Carpenter, like, which are a lot of movies, right. I love. To when the you point when you talk it's about a, it's an like the people that listen to this podcast, and you guys like when you talk about what movie do you want to watch tonight? Guaranteed. Nine times out of ten, it's a Carpenter-like film or a film that's been influenced by John Carpenter. I remember I, Russ, like, there was one weekend and Russ goes like, um, I was like, what movie did you watch? And he was like, well, I went to go see Birdman and I went to go see John Wick. And he was like, what do you think of Birdman? And he goes, Birdman is sort of avant-garde, sort of daring cinema. But John Wick is why I go to the movies. And I feel that way about John Carpenter. Like, B movies, like sci-fi movies with, like, big ideas about society, outsiders, um, humanity, evil that's what I want to see when I go to the fucking movies, and John Carpenter is that guy. I almost you know feel I mean? like we should like rap because that oh, well. was such well, a pass- well, passionate, sure. like but monologue. We, but we have to at least, and that's, and we are admittedly skipping past the Masters of Horror episode, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I know Philip didn't get to see him. But you should Although watch I do recommend uh, cigarette burns. burns with Norman Reedus's giant mole that we all forgot he had. I when feel he like was oh a kid. shit, yeah. <laughs> seriously, dude, did, like, did we real. all forgot that Norman Reedus had a giant mole for real? I feel real? like cigarette burns is kind of a companion piece to In the Mouth of Madness. It should be. I totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think... Yeah. Yeah. No, Cigarette Burns in and of itself it's is so pretty weird. good. Because yeah. a podcast that I don't follow but was like posted on my page today they <laughs> reviewed Cigarette Burns or like, please go watch Cigarette Burns. And I was like, it's yeah, well actually time. I would go watch Cigarette Burns. Y- you know what? Like, just... Fo- Not the... F- pro-life no but just following up like all the stuff it's like like the next movie we're talking about is The Ward right Mm -hmm. The Ward actually looks like a fucking movie it is his most modern looking film it looks like a movie you look at like vampires and that guy went uh, on yeah Village of the Dam Ghosts of Mars yeah I mean, I can't even just, like, it hurts my eyes just to, like, the looks of mm-hmm. them, like, don't even stand up to what his early, like, if you, if you were to ask me, go, well, what are your top, you know, carpenters? I'm like, you know, Assault on Precinct 13, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, uh, Halloween. None of which are I actually, I, I love horror, They Live. Though, yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about They Live, did we? Are we well, talking about horror? We were, we were not, no, we, no, we I, I was, to skip past I was that. outvoted. Yeah. I thought that We decided were, that was a sci-fi point, But point being is all those are pre-1987. Well, I mean, if we're if we're talking about the ward, the ward is it looks good. Yeah, no, it's, it, 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 and it that feels work. and still feels like a Carpenter movie direction wise. I actually disagree. I thought that it was a very tame version of Carpenter. I thought it was extremely yeah. toned yeah. down. Even though it's still rated R, I actually had to look it up because I was like, is this PG thirteen? Because 
I mean, it didn't feel like it had that Carpenter sort of darkness to it. It doesn't even look like a Carpenter film. That's partially because it's the first film he has not shot in Panavision. And with the his widescreen, beloved, yeah. wide, His look since his first movie, Dark yeah. Star, Star. I mean, he really went to a cheaper format because he kind of had to. But I will say it's looked better than his last three movies. I, I agree. It's a very, it's a much slicker looking film, That's but it's true. also a much less personal looking film. It doesn't, it doesn't have his score, which he said, well, I'm just, and it hurt, that hurts the score. movie a lot, but. Oh, it, I forgot to talk about the score of Ghosts of Mars. Oh my God. <laughs> Anthrax and Steve Vai. We've it's totally forgot about the right, metal. It's not good. I'm not going <laughs> to <defend that. laughs> I'm not going to defend that. I want to hear his synthesizer score. That. I, I want to hear. The Summers forgot prosecution had that evidence in, yeah, in, no, in no. stock. I feel like the war. We give you that part of the Okay. Thank you. Like Thank throw you. It. As far as the ward goes, it's a little hard on the beaver. Whoa. But, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> had that cheaper yeah, wow. yeah. Chris was... thought that last night. He was like lying to me. He's like, I got no, an idea. Like, Amber Heard's in this movie. Where is the beaver? Amber gets naked in this movie, but not this one. Heard is. How is this rated R? Heard is an underrated actress. I think she's really good in the movie. And surprisingly, I remember like Jared Harris shows up, and I'm like, whoa! Like Great the actor. acting is sort yeah. of elevated. I think probably the worst person is Meryl Streep's daughter, uh, uh, Mimi Gummer. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I just feel like uh, maybe Daniel Pennebaker is great. Who's Daniel also, Pennebaker who's now great. stars on the, and it on has the Flash. A, it has a few things that are somewhat uh, non-characteristic. Yeah. Carpenter. There's a great scene where the girls all dance to the radio. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not he doesn't normally have sort of very um, uncarpenter. Yeah, it's very scene. whimsical, somewhat somewhat light. Um, not like a lot of his movies, and I I really like that moment. Um, I feel it, like this movie, if it had been made 15 years beforehand, we'd go, that's a pretty solid card. Yeah, 100%, film. but the twist was already done 100 but times had been by done now. like so it's many times. Really, really and actually, I think he, he actually got accused of that in a lot of his reviews of this film, was like, okay, we all know what movie you're sort of ripping off. Right. In, this in is this. very much in line with his Masters of Horror stuff, where you can feel him sort of like making... Homages. This, yeah, well, and I think like when you watch the Masters of Horror stuff, there's nothing... Particularly original or fantastic about them. They're, they're very much TV episodes. This feels very much like a VOD movie. Um, I think if you took Carpenter's name off of it, I would not have pegged him as the director no. in the way that I would. But that being said, again, it didn't have the darkness. As that much he of like uninspired things that are in this, there is stuff I think he brings to it that elevates it beyond what someone else would have done with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think The Ward is a terrible movie. I, I agree. Uh, um, I, I like the that it's like vintage. But, like it's set in the past. Yeah. I liked the vintage it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's That not, was a cool thing. It's not even a new take on an old twist, but it's a competent take on it's an old It's sort of twist. a very, it's like, it's, it's honestly like, I have to kind of compare it to food. Like, do I think this is like a gourmet, like, like, like amazing, uh, specific Sort of beautiful meal, no. But like, if you if you said like this is a, this is like a really good hamburger, like you're like it's not special or whatever. But somebody brings it, to you, you're like, well, it's better than I thought. But it's not great. And if yeah. you didn't tell me he was the chef, That's I wouldn't a know. Good analogy. You know, but and but you know what? This is like the kind of thing where like you're looking for a horror movie to watch that night. You know, like. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't know. I mean, I saw this on Netflix a while ago, and I had to rewatch it last night because I seriously it's couldn't remember. I couldn't, re- I couldn't remember I agree. the exact same thing, thing about and it. And actually, I remember liking it better. Like, I think I was probably the lone Agreed. defender the first time I watched it. I watched it when it first came out. Yeah. yeah. Watching but it I now is kind of like, I was eh. like, I can't remember it, a, I had, anything. I had never seen it. I watched it recently, and I was like, assuming it was just going to be awful. 
and maybe that's why I was more of a sort of like, eh, it wasn't that bad. Because you had low Because I was expecting it to be the worst piece of shit ever See? after watching Ghosts of Mars literally <laughs> right before it, which is the worst piece of shit yeah. ever. <laughs> Sorry. I, I feel uh, like... Um, but it is. Like, uh, but I went, like, there's... Like, Ghost of Mars, I feel like, has all these issues that are intrinsic with problems with filmmaking in and of itself. Like, yeah. big Agreed. filmmaking yeah, problems. That's, see, that's what I, I didn't really too. find any of those problems in The Ward. It's a competently made but unremarkable movie. I, I, I did like Jared Harris, though. I really He's great. Him I think the acting in this movie is pretty good, and I do think it's a well-shot film. Like sure. Bill was saying, like... Like, yeah, like, if I, this was the way my movie looked, I'd be really proud. I'd be like, wow. And you I think could the, watch the movie 30 years from now, and it was still yeah. hold up. And the director, and I think the DP yeah. went on to do some Especially big stuff. Like, I think he's, he's shooting mm-hmm. the, the path now for Hulu and Which stuff. Which is a great show. Yeah, and so great looking he's show. a really, yeah. and, I, and I think the actresses are, are really terrific. It's just unfortunate. I think it's a somewhat subpar script. It's just like, it's fine. It's like, kind of feels like, again, like, in, in line with like a half-hour TV show. Yeah. I'm just like, curious why Carpenter was interested. After amen. 10 years yeah. of being retired, why, why? he uh, was pulled out to do so that. Is, that Here's, is actually a good question. I haven't found a solid answer for that. I mean, I, I feel like I'm just going to kind of like smut my outro of what we're talking yeah. about, just because I feel like it all ties yeah, we are into what into we're... The yeah. Outro. Yeah. It kind of ties into what's going on right here. Like, yeah. I, I saw this at a festival... Years ago, I played. I had a, a movie playing, and it played after mine. And I saw it, and I didn't even fucking remember it. And I had to watch it again. And when you think about John Carpenter, I think about these movies that he had early on in the seven, in the you know mid to late seventies, early eighties. And these things really changed the scope of what horror and what sci-fi and what really good thriller was. And then I saw a man beat down by the studio system, by what box office numbers do to you. By a lot of things, and I saw him start taking jobs and start not caring as much. And yes, there's still moments of of genius to what he does, and it's great that people still champion the little moments that still exist of him in his movies. But those moments are now few and far between when he comes to like what his great movies are to what he's doing now. And I don't know whether it's being burnt out, whether it's just he just smokes too much pot because he's you know he's known to be a pretty big burnout. At this and point, he smokes he's a lot. Dedicated to his son Cody, yeah, who he's just following around on tour, helping him with his music career. And, and to me, it's one of those things where I don't know what it comes down to. Whether it's you're just hiring him, he's like, "Fuck it, I'll take a job." But to me, I look forward to the day when I see John Carpenter from you know 1978 to you know 1987 show back up and make a movie and give a fuck again because I think he's still there. I want to hope he's still there. But to me, there's just definitely a big fall off, and I mean, he's he's going to be one of the top ten horror directors in all time, in my opinion. Absolutely. But shit, there's so many things in there that I'm. There's like, a lot of people that get the, in horror the title, oh, Excellent. king of horror, yeah. and most of them have maybe two or three films that are even worth. And not even noting. horror. Think of Big Trouble in Little China, you know? Salt on Precinct yeah. 13, Escape in from New York, Starman, Starman, yeah, yeah, they live. I mean, who has that filmography? Exactly, the guy. Nobody. The guy can go do. You know, how many people are trying yeah. to just remake or influence by his films? I mean, Dude, look even at his really solid Elvis film with Kurt Russell. That's really right, yeah. solid. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you're talking What's about. I mean, so you're talking about his influence. Like, you're talking about movies like. I mean, how many movies have been made? I was trying to make the list here, but Hateful Eight. Quentin Tarantino is remaking John Carpenter movies. Like, basically, Hateful Eight takes the structure of the thing. Rob That's Zombie. A, Rob Zombie. Um, but you're talking about, uh, you know, The Nest, Dread, uh, Planet Terror. Um, I mean... The Void. The, yeah, The Void. I mean, void. this guy's influence is so mm-hmm. far-reaching. The Guest... I mean, every, the guest, yeah. everybody I is the ripping guest. off this guy. They want to use his font. They want to use his score. They take his Assault on Precinct 13 ideas like, 
this guy's reach in cinema is as big as someone like Kurosawa or Lucas. Right. Or we, we talk about 70s auteurs in so. the footprint. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, Carpenter to me, because he makes genre movies, gets sort of placed beneath someone like Scorsese or, or Coppola or, I mean, I guess De Palma, which is sort of in the same range. But he is every bit as influential and important as those 70s uh, auteurs. And his influence now, I think the kinds of things that he was doing, the genre movies and rethinking cinema storytelling is the cinema that we're living in right now. Yeah. And, and and people are making $100 million movies based on the kinds of things that, that Carpenter was thinking of 30 years ago, See, 40 years ago. That, that's real quick. If they had like some way to like you know calculate – how much money has been made based off influence? Yeah, Carpenter would have the record Dude, for sure. Director, yeah. writer, composer. That's why it's like Kurosawa. Sure, great. Look at like influence and what people actually want to watch today. It's like it's not. It, no, it's he's, Carpenter. He's acting ability away from being called no tour. Yeah, and yeah. and he's and I think the thing that was really great about Carpenter was it was unapologetic. He he made genre movies. He was interested in horror. He was interested in science fiction. He was interested in action. He was interested in the kinds of things that all of us love about movies. And he didn't say like, "Oh, I'm I'm making this character thing, but it has horror in it." No, he was making a horror film. And I think that's the thing that I really love about John Carpenter. And I, I totally agree with Russ one hundred percent. And this is probably my final thought on Carpenter: is that. Yeah, he actually took that idea of horror and made it something that was esteemed. You know, uh, uh, before John Carpenter, or I mean, at least in a retrospective mm -hmm. of John Carpenter, like before him, everyone's like, oh, horror. That's not a valid genre. It's lowbrow. It doesn't deserve to be, like, recognized in any way. And then we look back on some of his work, like Halloween and the, and the Thing, and you're just like, he made it so that it was okay to like horror and still <laughs> like good films. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I put him up there with someone like Hitchcock. Like, it, I just think like Hitchcock, Hitchcock worked in genre. Like, that's what he made. He made thrillers. He made suspense films. He made horror films. And Carpenter is that guy. And I think that he used that to talk about bigger ideas that matter to all of us. And, you know, despite... I think where he misses the mark, and you know, man, he he, that guy can definitely. Oh, when make he some, misses the mark, he does. He misses, he misses the mark. But, but this is this is the most important thing to me about him. If you asked me what movie do I want to watch tonight, and you and most movies, if it was that or a John Carpenter movie that I've already seen. I'm more likely to want to watch the John Carpenter movie. That's just how I feel about him. Like I am I'm gonna get that. more yeah. out of that. Yeah. Like you're like like Chris is rewatching all of these horror movies. I'm following him on Facebook and he's like, I'm rewatching this, rewatching this. But imagine if I said, Hey, I got this John Carpenter movie and you've never seen it. I'd be and like, I'll watch it right now. You'd be like, I want to watch that next. It would go at the because top of my that's list. the kind of director, filmmaker, creator, artist that John Carpenter is. And I just think like See, I think the word was. But you're yeah. right. Maybe he was. But that was that's a tragedy of but like, I, of like what happened in the reception. But you're talking about. I mean, we could yeah. talk about. We could say that about a lot of things. You could say that about Vim Vendors. You could say that about a million brilliant. You could artistic, say that about Stephen King. You could say that about a lot but of people. Carpenter was a man of his time and ahead of his time. The, he he. We said in the first half how he was Lucas. He was Spielberg. He was doing the exact same thing they were doing, just for a niche. That wasn't what they were doing. And but it was, was that same type of passion, affection, and ability to bring to the modern age what they were doing, that same quality of talent, and yet 
it was always we the rest of us just weren't quite there yet. We weren't quite ready to treat the genres he wanted to treat with reverence. With reverence, and it I wasn't until ten years later that everyone went, "Oh wow, that was actually fucking." But he thinks of himself. But I think if you ask what filmmakers, he thinks of himself as someone like Howard Hawks. He thought of himself as someone who turned out these sort of like the I'm making a picture, man. I'm making a picture. It's like a horror movie. It's like a sci-fi movie. It's like a thriller. It's like whatever. And he thought of it that way. But he he can't help but bring a lot of big ideas to that. Yeah. And and so I think for that he should be celebrated. He should. And honestly, man, like. I just want to watch that guy's movies, man. I love that guy's movies. I think about that guy's movies all the time. Russ and I, whenever we're making a sci-fi movie or a horror movie, we're like, well, we're going to go back and watch that John Carpenter scene. How did he do that? How did he... How did he... John Carpenter's world. We just live in it. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Perfect ending to the I hope it's episode. not John Carpenter's world I'm living <laughs> not in. Not the Apocalypse horrifying. trilogy. But yeah. maybe... It's better than Cronenberg, goddammit. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, side true. note, um, if you like Carpenter, uh, he uh, one of his latest projects is the Lost Themes albums. Yeah. Um, he composed original uh, music that was, I guess some of it was based on uh, on new stuff. But if you if you haven't checked it out, Great shit. I w- and he performed it live. I guess that's his new thing now. We went to go see it. Total nerd fest. It was awesome. And he has two comic books that he is currently writing with Deborah Hill, longtime uh, oh, wow. service films. Yeah. Asylum. No, she passed away, though. I forget what the other one so is. So it must have been based uh, on her ideas. Okay, maybe based on yeah. her ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I forget what the second one is. But I know Asylum's on there, but they're currently running. So. Okay. Um, I've not read either one, but I would love to pick up uh, collection volumes. Google it. I mean, how many comic book writers have been influenced by John Carpenter? Oh, half of them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All, At least all not three them. quarters. Yeah. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to Deliberations of Doom. Our next show, which we were still consulting about, sounds like maybe we're going to do like the the lesser known vampire films that Possibly. you should totally see, but we're still arguing. Yeah. That's nice. But <laughs> who would have uh, guessed we're arguing about something? But please let your friends your who love horror movies know about our show. Put the links out there. We really appreciate it. And also check out these guys' stuff once again. Uh, Patience, you have a short story out in... Dark Gothic Resurrected Magazine. There you go. Phil, you have a movie that Dead is... Dead Awake comes out May 12th in theaters and on demand. Indeed. And the Summers Brothers... Yeah, you can check out our stuff on grand, at uh, grandscheme.net and uh, follow our adventures on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> Snapchat. <laughs> just, Snapchat. 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 Also check out, if you're a Snapchat fan, uh, follow... Uh, uh, one of us done that. Which I'll try to do stuff. Or if you already follow my Facebook fan, uh, page, you can watch the Summers Brothers give me shit on almost everything I post. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, and keep screaming. Woo!